Welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week these idiots pair cocktails with comic books. You can find the cocktails, drinking game rules, and playlists on the blog at funnybooksandfirewater.com. While at funnybooksandfirewater.com, you can also find a drinking game rule to play while you listen to each episode. You can follow us at FirewaterCast on Twitter, and FunnyBooks and Firewater on Facebook and Instagram. This is episode 154, Kill or Be Killed, part of our Brew Baker Phillips Team Up Month. Right now? Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Meow is that? Hey, welcome to episode 154 of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. This week we are finishing up our month of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips books with Kill or Be Killed, one of the more recent books that they've done. Um, This was a limited run series. Um, I believe it is over now, but uh, we're reading the first four issues of it. If you happen to be uh, not reading it in trades, but reading it in single issues or online like our friend, Mr. Adam. You ready? Speaking of Mr. Adam, he is back Yay. after a, a hiatus from the show. Um, he was so angry at us, he couldn't record with us for a while. Just kidding. No, it's um, called his new 0.9 megabit Wi Fi. Oh, and I was here for the last episode, too. What are you talking about? Yeah, Where Brian's you? forgetful. So I, it yet. I am very forgetful. You forgetful <laughs> bitch. The problem is, is that with school now, like my brain is so on other things that like I, I can barely keep my head on straight. So no, I have an excuse for a lot of things. Okay, fine. We're only missing one person, and it's not Adam. But hey, Adam, how are you? I'm fine. My mic for some reason. So I was like, wait, I'm speaking, but it's not. The little lines aren't moving. No, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just been really, really busy. New job, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, trying to get back in the swing of things to actually do my job over at Big Shiny Robot, where I'm the reviews editor. Uh, nice. I'm, I don't know what we're doing yet with Andy Wilson over with uh, the Board as Hell podcast. Hey, Andy. Hi, Andy. And then, unfortunately, because I was in Boise for so long, uh, Cinema Queens had to take a brief hiatus because, again, 0.9 megabit internet. But after we finish this episode, I'm actually recording the new one. So hopefully that will drop either tonight or tomorrow. And I also am out there curating our Grinder Scruff and Tights with a Z account. And, I, and honestly, I am looking for uh, an app developer to help me develop Tights with a Z. <sighs> Yes. Nice. So that happens. <laughs> Hopefully, we, I can get rich. Like when fund this podcast, and then um, I'll just be making money off people being whores. It'll be great. Okay, that's you know what people will always be whores. It'll be we are all whores in our own way. Speaking of whores, now the question is, who do I call out? Rude. Uh, no, I won't be rude. Uh, no, I, I'm going to take that back. I'm not going to say speaking of horrors. Uh, but <laughs> speaking of horrors, we have Mr. Jason. You spoke up. You're the horror. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Hi, I'm Jason, uh, unemployed writer in Los Angeles. Um, and until I get to new gig, I've just been regaling you all with uh, my various past uh, professional exploits. My first internship in Los Angeles was for a company called Shadow Machine, uh, which was one of the producing partners of uh, Robot Chicken and several other stop motion shows for Adult Swim. And my favorite moment was when we had some sort of outdoor event and uh, Donald Faison was there and he just decided I to... That's right. That's right. You were there, and he just I was there. You asked me to come up and help, and I thought, "Oh, okay, I'm going to come up and help." And yep. I didn't realize we were going to treat yep. you like a fucking intern. Yeah, and I was like, "I have a fucking job, you but, asshole." But uh, <laughs> he did take a shot with us. So yes, it's true. I did take it. We did take a shot with Donald Faison. Yes, and I mean, for me, it was really cool because we walked through all the robot chicken sets and stuff like that. And I mean, it was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And a little less whorish, but uh, still a baby daddy, we have Mr. Todd. It's not from the lack of trying. <laughs> so there is that. Hey, I'm Todd. I'm here in Salt Lake as well as Mr. Adam over there. But we're not together today. So I know I have four individual tracks this time. It's going to be really oh, we're interesting. Despoiling, well, you know. it's because of the restraining order. That's uh, right. So just another piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Hey, I love you. So, but yeah, I'm here in Salt Lake enjoying our uh, springtime weather of snow and sleet today. What is that? <laughs> it's like I dog barking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was me laughing, but thanks. So, and then I'm going to be going to the uh, MOS Real Salt Lake game opener tomorrow with nice 35 degree weather. And it sounds like fun. Yeah. There we go. Uh, and hey, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based in Southern California and a diehard LAFC fan. Go uh, Falcons, or I don't know if they really go by that name, but. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing three shows for Lyric. In fact, I just got a text message. I'm supposed to tell them my schedule. I'll have to figure that all out. Um, that'll be a bunch of things. So, moving on. Mr. Yes. Todd, in his absence, what is the myification of this book? Well, I will also say, I will get to the myification, but this does a repeat again. Mm-hmm. Of it's $9.99 here in the States and Canada. It's different. <laughs> it doesn't even... Yeah, it says that again. Say that it just again? says different yeah. in Canada. In Canada. <laughs> How different they is it? They apologize entirely. That is. They the question. apologize a lot, and that yeah. way they're just like, mm, <laughs> yeah. sorry, it's just, it's just different. Sorry about that. Shoot you in the face. Sorry about that. Shot you in the face. Sorry about that. Let's do that again. So the myification of this one, I mean, it's definitely it's rated mature and it's filled with angsty joy and people just making bad decisions. It is a lot of bad decisions. It's a it's mature, poor decisions, mature and poor decisions. There we go. Mature and poor decisions, mature, poor decisions. Uh, Yes. Okay. Fantastico. Well, it's that time for the drinking games. Um, I would do a drum roll. I don't know if that's going to pick up on my mic. Uh, So we will start with Mr. Adam. What is your drinking game rule for this book? Uh, Mine's called Sidebar, please. Uh, Every time they split the comic scenes and have the exposition play out next to the action. Mine is semi-similar to a certain extent. Mine I'm calling Walkie Talkie, which is every time there's a scene with actual dialogue (laughs) and not uh, voiceover uh, narration, take a drink. Uh, Mr. Jason, what is your drinking game rule? Uh, mine is called A Simple Sin. Anytime Dylan lies, take a drink. And of course, Mr. Todd, last but not least, what is your drinking game rule? I've got angst, man. Every time Dylan has a look of life just sucks in general, you need to go ahead and take a drink. That one will get you pretty shit-faced. Yeah, everyone's going to be drunk. <laughs> drunk bitches listening bitch. to podcasts. Uh, cool. <laughs> Uh, well, fantastic. Then let's move on to votes as to whether or not we believe it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time, money, and effort to hunt this book down and give it a read. Uh, what is your vote, Mr. Todd? Yes. Mr. Jason? Yes. Mr. Adam? Yes. And I'm a yes as well. So we got four yeses out of this one, which has been relatively common for this month. So then uh, we'll jump into playlists. Uh, Some songs while you uh, all go read this, because obviously you take every ounce of advice that we give you, um, (laughs) even the bad advice. And uh, so you're going to go buy this book and uh, give it a read. Uh, We'll give you some songs to put on your Spotify playlist while you read this. Um, I'll jump in on Mm -hmm. this one. Um, I'm going with Institutionalized by uh, Suicidal Tendencies. 
tendencies. All I wanted was a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, and she wouldn't give it to me. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your song for the playlist? It's Every Day is Exactly the Same by Nine Inch Nails. Okay, Mr. Adam. Uh, mine is simply the Dexter theme song. And uh, Mr. Jason. Uh, Vigilante Man by Bruce Springsteen. I'm not familiar with that song. It's actually a cover of a Woody Guthrie song, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. The things we learn yeah. on this show. I know. Does anybody have any final warnings about this before they move uh, on? Not for kids. <laughs> not for it. kids. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is mention of uh, sexual abuse of a young boy, but other than that, yeah. um, it's just mature in general. As mature as comic books can be. Yeah. Uh, you know with pictures and whatnot well then uh we will take a brief break really early in the show um sorry yeah. Sheena, we cut it off early today yeah listen to the interesting stuff later Sheena, for change come on now i might that may not even make it to the show uh <laughs> oh you totally should it'll make her laugh okay uh hi Sheena. so uh cool then we will uh take a brief break um and uh, i will play a little ad for you from uh, one of our fellow Hello Sweetie podcast members. I think it's the Geek Parenting Podcast this month, if I remember correctly, um, which has a few of our good friends on that show. Um, and uh, when we get back, we will spoil the living crap out of it. So you have been forewarned. Uh, we will see you on the flip side. While we take a break, here is a message from one of our fellow Hello Sweetie Network podcasts. When you have kids, it's almost impossible to find time to catch up on all your geeky obsessions. Comic books, TV, movies, games. We get it. Geek Parenting Podcast understands your pain and we are here for you. We're geeky parents just like you and we come together once a week to talk about what it's like to raise your little geeklings while staying true to your fandoms. New episodes every week. Find Geek Parenting Podcast wherever you consume your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Geek Parenting Podcast. Sorry, Stefan. Okay. Uh, who wants to not do it. the... Not it. Not uh, it. Should I do it? Should I... Yeah, I'll do I, it. Well, I mean, I can just okay. say, I mean, the very, very simple plot is... Uh, what's the main kid? Is it Dylan? Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, he, Dylan. Um, yeah. He's, like, in, in love with this girl who's, like, kind of his best friend, but she's fucking his best friend, and he's all depressed and everything, so he goes to kill himself by jumping off a building... He somehow survives and then is approached by this demon monster thing that says that they spared him and that, uh, but it's a life for a life. So once a month, he has to go and kill a bad person uh, or else the demon will kill him. So he's like, yeah, whatever, fuck you. Well, he's just to get really, really sick. And then sure enough, he kills someone uh, who actually ends up being a really, really bad person when they find out after he dies and he mm -hmm. instantly gets better. So he kind of goes out there and from what I remember, starts to kind of relish it and you know, kind of enjoys what he's doing, and that's kind of where the Dexter game comes from. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a question of, I mean, if he's relishing it or if he he's starting to become accustomed to it, he starts to get good yeah. at it, that's for sure. Yeah, and then he ends um, up fucking his best friend's girlfriend, and... I don't think they ever yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, no, they do, you're right, they do. Yeah, yeah. they end up hooking up at She's one point got issues. Yeah. She does. Do you want to start talking about her issues? That seems like an interesting spot to start. Well, as growing up, her mother had a tendency to remarry a lot. And she witnessed her mother having orgy parties with a stepdad at one point. And it just really warped her yeah. sense of not just her own sexuality, but it just, it really informed everything going on. And she has a tough time having a healthy relationship because of a lot of that. There's a lot of people yeah. in here who have a hard time help, having a healthy no relationship. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, Adam, I cut you off. What was that? I said no one here really has a healthy relationship. 
No, hey, I really hey, don't. hey. I think I do. <laughs> no, I don't mean. In the night. Cool. We, we weren't we weren't talking about the actual physical people on the show. We're talking about other other characters. <laughs> um, That's fair. But uh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, Adam, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, I, again, this is one of the ones I'd never heard of it before, so I kind of went in with no expectations. I mean, we just talked about it briefly last time about the he has to kill someone once a month. Uh, it reminds yeah. me of something else, like either read or a movie I've watched, where it was thing. a Death Note. It does kind of have a Death Note vibe. We've read Death yeah, Note. Yeah, I mean, kind of does, does, but obviously with Death yeah. Note, he's he's choosing to do, you know, he's have to. Whereas this one, yeah. I just, I, I'll i think of it. It's going to bug me. Um, But no, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it is, it's violent, it's over the top, but the characters, you know, Dylan's a, you know, I, I want to call him like an anti-hero because you, you kind of want to root for him, but at the same time, you don't because mm-hmm. he's kind of weirdly mm-hmm. like a friend zone incel-ish for a little bit there. And that kind of bugged me about him. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's not mm-hmm. a perfect person by any means, but I, I kind of see at the end that he's starting to kind of enjoy it. Because like the way the, the thing opens up with him going in and just, you know, blowing everyone away, it's kind of like Punisher-esque in a way. Uh, so yeah. it's a, I always enjoy uh, media that shows someone like begrudgingly, you know, taking steps to become a different person. And then it kind of, in a sense, corrupts them and they become, you know, really enamored with the power and what it how it changes them or this and that so i really like that part of it uh how many issues are in this is it is it is there a lot of them i think it only goes there's 12 issues is what it is four okay traits. so yeah. yeah it's definitely a story i want to see kind of what happens next and where it goes mm-hmm. uh kind of had a you yeah. know interesting because he doesn't have any superpowers so it kind of had that kick-ass vibe to it yeah so bit, yeah. i really enjoyed the first kick-ass not so much the ones that came after it uh, one of the rare times the movie was better than the book was Kick-Ass 2. Uh, but no, it's not there to change your life. It's just there to be sloppy entertainment that you just want to sit back and enjoy. Do you want to be honest with you? Um, having read the entire thing, I was actually relatively surprised by how it ended. Um, oh, really? it, has, it has a very satisfying ending that kind of went somewhere different than I was expecting. Um, it starts developing, uh, as it goes on, it starts developing more of the story of the demon. Uh, because you really start mm. to question a certain point in time throughout the course of the book mm-hmm. if the demon is real or if it's in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that they, I don't think they cover it in this book, but part of what's, part of the same time when he starts seeing the demon again, I think is when he goes off of his medication and they later reveal that. Um, oh, interesting. So, uh, because I mean, you start realizing, I, th- I mean, it, it sort of is hinted at in this version, I think, which is the way that it's written, is that he's sort of journaling and or talking to a therapist of some kind. Um, and that's sort of why he's revealing all this sort of type secrets. And that's sort of what ends up becoming kind of what it is, um, uh, which is a little bit of a cliche, but I, I don't hate it in this book. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, like, so he does. Yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. But like the the way that it ended, I was actually kind of surprised what what ended up happening at the end. And it actually does, in a weird way, leave itself open for a sequel potentially, um, which would be really interesting mm-hmm. for me actually with where they leave it at. Um, yeah. I don't want to spoil that for anybody on the show because we're only covering the first book. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually it was a for me it was a very interesting finish the other thing i think is interesting and i want to get people's opinions on is uh this book and we didn't read it but there's another book called fatal uh, they have this interesting ability 
of interweaving sort of a supernatural vibe with an actual true crime kind of vibe. Um, yeah. And I I dig that, but I was kind of curious mm-hmm. as to what other people's thoughts were as to, you know, how they felt about that. Well, you mean the part where, like, you mean, like, when he killed the guy and found out he was... He was a really bad guy. Like, was it? Was he a? Well, no. It's sort of like this idea of this this demon sort of controlling him. So, like, he's he's a vigilante, but and he's committing these crimes and he's killing people. But there's also this questionable sort of supernatural aspect to it. And uh, Fatal has a similar sort of thing where um, uh, she is sort of a this femme fatale who keeps being reincarnated um, and keeps sort of being both a muse and a destructor to uh, men um, and I think women, actually. It's been a little while since yeah. I've read it at multiple different time frames. So there's this, this supernatural-ish vibe along with this really true-to-reality thing. I think it's an interesting thing that they have this ability to weave them together. And with Vital, it has definitely like a Lovecraftian-type vibe with all of it. Yeah, that. for sure. So it's them doing this. What? On that, Brian, I really do agree with you there with the uh, melding of genres that you don't want to necessarily put together. They do a great job with. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And reading this one, the tone of this book, um, if I was to compare it to a movie, not the plot line per se, but the tone and the feel, it reminded me a lot of like Denzel Washington's um, Man on Fire. So, I haven't it, seen that. It might, it's no, it is. It is my favorite Tony Scott directed movie. Really? Yeah, it would be Man on Fire. I think um, he okay. took some ideas he did on Man on Fire and Domino too far. And how to mm-hmm. be. I still like Domino. I, I, I liked Domino, don't get me wrong, but it was a little bit like, oh, how far to the edge? And it's like, maybe I should take three steps back. <laughs> Man on Fire is actually the decent three steps back, even though he made it previously to um, Domino. But for that okay. tone and feel, you just have this seriousness thing going on and. It's someone that's on a mission trying to get stuff done, and he's got this demon. And as you were saying, in the later traits, he starts the questioning of the source and the method of this demon comes up. But you've got this guy here going, life sucks so much, I want to just end it. And then he's on top of the rooftop going, maybe I don't, maybe it's okay. And then he trips over himself, and he falls down six stories and somehow survives it. And he now has this debt Mm -hmm. to pay. Gotcha. So he and why and kill or be killed. It's like it's this debt to pay, and the demon's going. You're not dead, lucky me. And now you're going to do it, or else we're going to take this borrowed time you're living on. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Well, if I'm going to have to do this, let's make it worthwhile." Instead of just being indiscriminate about it, he's being extremely discriminate. And you can kind of appreciate it at the same time. It's this veneer of humanity is just being peeled right away. On him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, if I'm going to lose my humanity doing this, he's let's go after people that have already lost theirs. And it's definitely like the anti-hero flawed person you're watching. You kind of want to root for the guy. But at the same time, he's terrible. And they do that really well. He's I mean, he's a terrible dude. He's banging his friend's girlfriend. Best friend's girlfriend. He's doing all these things and he's justifying it to himself. And he's lying to everybody and he's just having this going on and it's and it's still fascinating to watch and you're like, I want to keep following this story. And the only thing that's really making him somewhat likable is that insight to the demon in this trade. Because if you had taken that out mm-hmm. and you were just looking at him from a different point of view, he's just terrible. Well, and here's a question for you. Like, does your perception of him change whether the demon is real or in his head. 
Actually, I, yes, yeah. very much. Yeah. Actually, yeah. You know, it wouldn't for me yeah. because so here's the thing is and again, Brian, you you've mm-hmm. read the whole thing, so you know if it is in his head or if it is really a demon, is that mm-hmm. either which way for him it's real. Because Okay. Uh you know, let's say a demon showed it showed it to him and actually it was a demon and saying you have to do this on and make you sick or kill you. But if it was something just his head made up and he's schizophrenic and seeing things and his body is physically reacting to what this demon in his head said, it's still just as bad. I mean, it's still just as hard on him. That being said, though, you know, this is, you know, for me, it's very much like I chose the Dexter theme song because that's kind of what it felt like. But it's a very Faustian kind of version of that in the sense that, you know, whatever it is, if it's real or not, he believes that in some way, shape or form, the reason why he didn't die when he jumped off the roof was because of this demon. So now he owes them. So that's the trade-off. That's that was the, the mm-hmm. you know the the payoff he had to make to pay the devil was to go kill people. But in the sense, it's kind of like he's getting what he wants in a way. Like you know, yeah, he got to fuck his best friend. His, his best friend. He's becoming more confident. You can tell that he's getting. You know, he's as the story goes on, he's probably gonna get better at this, and you know, maybe even enjoy the killing. So it's you know whether it's in his head or whether it's real. In his mind, he doesn't have a choice. But then that's like, you know, you eventually become the thing you hate. I mean, who's, again, I don't know the end, but it almost seems mm-hmm. like that he could be the one later on that maybe the, you know, if I was going to do the story, the way it would end it would be that later on the demon, say, has someone else go after him because he's now the bad person. It's like with Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. you have this character who did something just because he, out of need, and then you watch the downfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. Okay. It is interesting to watch. And I, I very much see this demon as the, the, the personification of his justification mm-hmm. of what yeah, he's doing. Yeah, exactly. So he's taking all these things and I'm justifying it. It's like, oh, it, 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 yeah, it's personifying all of his just, justification. It's summed up right there. And mm-hmm. this is the thing that makes it say it's okay. And now I'm doing everything I want to do or would like to do or I want to lash out to do. And because you look at him, he was so downtrodden and he had been be- dealt a bad deal. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. And it's, is this a little bit like the, um, it's not Fallen. What was that Michael Douglas movie where he's like, stop uh, falling it, down, falling down. Is, is it yeah. a little bit of an event of like falling down going on? And he's just going through and it's just different ways that he's watching this. And it's, but you're, and like with falling down, you're watching this. Any other casual observer going, this guy is a monster that must be put down. But I'm still reading it, okay. and I'm excited, and it's exciting to follow. Yeah. Like, where is the story leading? Yeah. So, uh, Jason, I haven't heard a ton out of you. What are your thoughts? Well, going off of, of the question you posed, uh, and this was something I was thinking about while I was actually reading it. If the demon isn't real, I don't think that Dylan is all that different from uh, an actual psychotic killer who uh, has mm-hmm. been told by God to kill certain people. Um, he yeah. may have justifications, and his victims may be uh, horrible uh, human beings, but he could still be just a psychotic uh, person who has decided that he has to kill people every week, every month. Um, mm-hmm. I think like that that is sort of the the warped uh, way that some people might view a Punisher type character too. Um, so it's mm-hmm. definitely a very thought provoking storyline to, and I'm. Very curious to know if the uh, the demon does, in fact, end up being real or not. Um, also, I can tell you off air if you want to know, or you can I'll read, I'll read it, it myself. Yeah, yeah, I want to read um, it. Too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was also wondering if um, going back to when the demon sort of presents himself, if the demon becomes more of a figure, 
one of my favorite parts of the book was this two and a half page dream sequence in which um, Dylan is walking through sort of the frozen streets of New York and it's just this sort of bright, almost neon and pastel colors all around him. Um, and the demon's mm-hmm. talking to him, trying to encourage him to to become who the demon wants him to be. And I just, yeah. that, that visual um, moment I just wanted so much more of because it was, uh, I mean, most of the art in, in the book is great, but this particular sequence is just uh, stand out for me. No, I, I liked a lot. The other thing I thought was interesting is, and we, I just thought it was interesting in the conversation, we've, we've sort of all discussed it as Dylan has chosen to kill bad people. But the thing is, I, I look to see the demon actually says that he should kill bad people, which I think is an interesting idea as well. Because I don't know how much that would change of the story if, if, if the demon says, okay, you need to kill one person mm-hmm. every month. And then he decides, well, if I'm going to have to kill one person every month, I'm going to kill somebody who deserves it. You know what I mean? But the demon's actually hinting at that, which is kind of interesting as well. Like, actually, literally, not even hinting, literally yeah. says, you know, kill bad people. Because um, that was one of those things I didn't remember off the top of my head if it was a, a thing, like a command from the demon or not. But uh, that was kind of an interesting thing. It's also so. interesting, um, going back to, Dylan brings up this, uh, an old story of... Um, uh, a hunchback and a town full of people who believe that they somehow accidentally killed this hunchback and then they um, bring oh, that, yeah. that uh, supposedly dead body to someone else's house who then thinks that they killed him and then it just cycles uh, over and over to until the entire town pretty much thinks that they killed this person. Um, and the way mm-hmm. that he looks at it is even though they've all confessed to having murdered someone because they feel so guilty – um, they all tried to hide it and get away with it, and then at the very end are rewarded by the king. I wonder if that yeah. isn't sort of how it ends, is that um, Dylan believes he's doing something good, but it turns out that he's just covering up for something else. Uh, okay, that's an interesting idea. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you, but that's an interesting idea. Indeed, it's really, this is bugging me because this... I swear to God, I've either read this comic book or seen it in a movie where it was the exact same thing where they had to kill, they got starting to kill bad people and then it kind of snowballs. It's going to bug the fuck out of me until I can remember what it is. I mean, it's not necessarily a completely unique, I don't think it's no, a unique concept, no. but I think that, I, but I think the, uh, the, um, the execution is, uh, is unique mm-hmm. and interesting. Um, I think that's where, you know, what, I think that's what uh, really signs. I mean, cause like, even if they said, oh, yeah, we totally ripped this off of some horror movie or whatever, I still think it's a quality endeavor. You know oh, what no, I mean? No, like, I'm I think not, that what they do here is pretty... I'm not saying it, yeah. it's not worthwhile reading, because obviously I enjoyed it. It yeah. just It's it's one of those things where I know I've seen something similar, and it's going to bug me. I can think yeah. of. It's like, you know, when you get an earworm and you can't get it out of your head, it's that yeah. kind of thing for me. And I also think it's really interesting that, you know, as we've been sure. talking about this book, we really haven't talked about the book itself as much as we're diving into the psychology of this. And, as, you know, Jason brought up a good point about... You know, if, if the demon isn't real, what's the difference between this and someone who is killing people because God says so? Um, mm-hmm. And he, again, it goes back to you know, someone who's doing something horrible because of that. Because let's say God's telling them to, you know, to go murder people because, or he'll be murdered or whatever you God's telling him. You know, as much as that person does deserve to face justice, and whether that's you know going to prison or a mental institution for life, you know, in a way you almost you feel sorry for that person because what led down this road that got them to this point where they are schizophrenic or hearing these voices or seeing things. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, but I can see that because as someone who's gone through my own personal hell with a lot of stuff, uh, you know, I, I've seen just with my mind where it's gone to really dark and horrible places. So I couldn't even imagine the next level would be to 
be someone who is schizophrenic or hearing voices or believing God's talking to him kind of thing. So, Oh yeah, for sure. Like the, the full delusion is a scary place. And I think I can imagine that like trying to put a logical face on it um, would, uh, would, would be sort of a re- relief to a certain extent, even if it was like, you know, I see a demon, but the demon's telling me to kill bad people. At least there's a moral high ground that you feel like you're on. You know what I mean? Now, what's interesting, but, there's moral high ground, and to speak to that and what Adam and Jason was saying, the title of the book is Kill or Be Killed. So as you're looking mm-hmm. at it, are you going to be the perp, or are you going to be the victim? Like, are you going to be the aggressor, or are you going to be the one that's been aggressed against? And the choice yeah. is being, yeah, the choice is being made, because it also seems, because I was reading up a little bit on the um, ideas that wanted to be hit upon by Brubaker, though, is... Um, Remember watching that documentary, Jesus Camp? <laughs> oh, that yeah. thing scares the crap out of me. But it's absolutely mm-hmm. there. And the thing of it is, during the interview at one point, it's like, you're doing all these things that we're terrified that you're watching all these uh, camps in the Middle East are doing, raising these extremists. And the person's response is, well, they're doing it, so we've got to as well. And that was her entire mm-hmm. justification of it. And you're watching this here. It's like, well, am I going to be the victim standing by or am I going to be the perpetrator? It's um, life's not zero sum here. Either I'm going to I'm going to be someone's dog meat or I'm going to turn them into dog meat and I'm going to choose to be active in this. And it's, it, it's as much mm-hmm. as the choice of playing the game. And if you choose to play the game, you're guilty. And if you're choosing not to play the game, then you're dead. Yeah. Well, and it's become self-preservation at that point in time, because to a certain extent, he tries not to um, follow through, and then he's so ill that he ends up basically just to try to save his own life. And he goes, I want to live, so if I want to live, someone else must die, and coming to accept that. And it's, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really interesting, like... But also at the same time, you know, it's, it just it kind of does make him a shitty person, though. I mean, again, he is killing bad people, so I guess that's kind of the rationalization. But if someone came to me and like, mm-hmm. well, you have to go murder someone a month or you're going to die, it's like, well, I guess I'll just die then. I'm not going to go out killing people. But, but that's a choice to be made. And I don't know. You watch this character making that no, very I, choice one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing is they don't make a comic book out of the guy who says, well, I guess I'm dead <laughs> oh, now. Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was about to say was that, well, if you said, cool, I'll die, yeah. that means you don't have a story. But... You, yeah, you know, it does add on to the fact that, you know, it, it does put him more. I don't even know if that. Yeah, thinking about that now, I don't even know if I want to root for him anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I can consider him an anti-hero. Yeah. He's I, again. I think it's just. I, again, I don't know because I haven't finished it, but it, it's almost seems like this is going to be like his downfall. But I could, I could be wrong, but that's if I was writing the story, that's where I would take it. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you you picked for your theme song. It's not dissimilar to Dexter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? See, I would you even know, say um, it's more in line of like Tony Soprano. And the Sopranos. Then mm. it's thing there because oh, okay. as Tony Soprano, he's like he is something. He kind of gets to the point. He's like, well, I am a mobster, and this is what mobsters do. And I, I wish to mm-hmm. exist, so therefore I shall be a mobster and everything that comes along with it. So yeah. it's could he choose not to be a mobster? He's like, but it, it's back a little bit to the case of in the, the frog and the scorpion. So and choosing mm-hmm. to be that scorpion. And see, I always just go back yeah. to Breaking Bad with Heisenberg. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. mm-hmm. I went back and and I'm looking at the moment uh, after his failed suicide attempt and what's going through his brain. And he says, uh, "While my other synapses were all exploding with the joy of being motherfucking alive." And then at the very end, uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. would be the beginning of a new life, a whole new Dylan. So it's sort of like he took a hit of this wonderful new drug, just living, 
Uh, and yeah. then the next morning or the, that same night, the demon is telling him, if you want to keep living, you've got to start killing people. And so it's, he would yeah. have to go through withdrawal of experiencing the most beautiful thing he's ever felt uh, or keep yeah. going with that. So, yeah. That's an interesting point, actually, that, that it's, it's the immediate come down off of mm-hmm. like a, a huge high. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and if this is all like a, a, you know, stuff he's telling his therapist, I don't feel nearly as bad about the shit I bring to mind now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm damn near no boring kidding. in comparison. I mean, like, uh, listen, Cindy, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I think this is a good spot to sort of uh, parlay into uh, some uh, cocktails for this. Mr. Adams, speaking of uh, going to your therapist, I think your uh, cocktail has a, a nice little tie into that. Yeah. So mine is called My Own Personal Demon. It's a tiny bit complicated, not too bad. Uh, you need simple syrup, orange and black sprinkles, two ounces of vodka, two ounces of apple pucker, one ounce of triple sec, one drop of neon green food coloring, uh, and a teaspoon of silver shimmer cake frosting spray. That's kind of the stuff they use like in Mad Max when they spray on their mouth, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, gotcha. Witness May. Yeah. We actually had some. There's a video on YouTube of all of us doing it. It was fun. Uh, so what you do is you uh, <laughs> pour the simple syrup into a bowl and the sprinkles into another. Yeah, you rim a glass, probably like a martini glass or whatever you like, uh, in the syrup, and then dip in the sprinkles. Uh, you fill a shaker with ice, or then fill the glass with ice. So don't do a martini glass, do like a highball glass or something. Uh, in a shaker, you're going to combine the uh, orange vodka, apple pucker, triple sec, and food coloring and cake frosting spray. Shake the shit out of it, strain into the glass, and then top it with your favorite lemon-lime soda and stir. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Todd, what is your cocktail? Mine's called the Rooftop Spill. So, with this one, you're going to want to get a shaker, and you're going to take uh, one ounce of cognac, a quarter ounce of Cointreau, half ounce of creme de cacao, and then a quarter ounce of molasses. But in order to actually use this molasses in a drink, it needs to be half water, half molasses is part making that up. You're going to put those into a shaker, shake that up, and then you're going to dump that into a glass with ice, and at that point, you want to add three quarters of an ounce of heavy cream because you don't want to get it shaken and incorporated. Stir that thoroughly and then um, pour that into a chilled martini glass. So that molasses adds a sweetness, but at the same time, it's this black cocktail that you'd be drinking. Very cool. Uh, mine is sort of similar to Adam's. Mine is called Demon Possession. Uh, it's one ounce of light, uh, light or overproof rum. One ounce of citrus vodka, one and a half, or sorry, a half ounce of blue caracao, lemonade, and uh, a dash or two of uh, bitters. Uh, basically, you put everything into a shaker, shake the shit out of it, and then strain into a cocktail glass over ice. Uh, Mr. Jason, what is your cocktail? Uh, mine is called the Bloody Soul Kiss. You take uh, one and a half ounces of whiskey, one ounce of dry vermouth, three quarter ounces of blood orange juice, <laughs> three quarter ounces of uh, Dubonnet Rouge. Uh, Rouge, which is a street uh, aromatized wine-based aperitif, apparently. Uh, Stir all the ingredients with ice in a cocktail shaker and then strain into a chilled cocktail glass and enjoy. So what I find really interesting, all of our drinks have orange notes in it today. There's orange in all of them. So yeah. Okay, well, mine has citrus. I don't have... It's close. Yeah. Anyway. No, Curacao is orange. Uh, Oh, is it? Yeah, Curacao is an orange. Okay. Uh, cool. Does anybody else have any final thoughts before uh, we move on to final grades and all that fun stuff? Yeah, I, you know, the go ahead. coloring here. Mm-hmm. I really think the mm-hmm. big standout here, the story is solid and enjoyable. Sean Phillips' drawings 
are great here, but what I think is really the step up from the other series, though, has to be the use of the coloring and what was done here. It's oh, yeah. really the uh, star of the three. So as great as Brubaker and Phillips are, I really think this was put over the top by Elizabeth Breitweiser. And what- Who also did last week's book of uh, uh, mm-hmm. the Fade Out. Yeah. But like that's a little more subdued in general. Like, she really gets to kind of go to town on this one. Sure, and absolutely. So as you're watching the coloring here, when it's wintertime or if he's doing these other things and you've got this blood red going on between the page covers or even the final page in the trade where you kind of see the um, devil's orgy photos he's looking at and you're just like this place Mm -hmm. he's just it's just really coming into and it sets that feeling and tone of it so beautifully well that for me that really like the coloring here was just simply fantastic yeah i agree uh mr jason you had a thought yeah uh, i just wanted to call out the fact that they this is a uh, a recent book uh, they mentioned the fact that cops are killing um black men uh repeatedly in this country and they call it out at least yeah. twice in the book so i think that that's uh worth mentioning obviously they also they also mentioned a psychopath running for office yes. as well yeah. which i think is, was also goddamn yeah. social justice warriors uh yeah no that's uh, i mean and that that if it's brought up twice it it might be an interesting uh rationale as to why this book was written in the first place you know what i mean there there might have been some thought behind that maybe yeah uh so cool uh anybody else have any other thoughts we have a question actually though uh his therapist is it a man or a woman? I don't remember off the top of my head, to be honest with okay. you. I want to say it's a man, but I don't remember. Okay. No, because I, I was just uh, realizing that the only female characters are the love interest, his mother, um, or the strippers. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I would have liked to have seen just you know one more non-love interest female character. No, I, that's valid. But I mean, there's also only like a handful of characters. Like, oh, no, absolutely. This could be shot as an any budget pretty easily because there's not a whole ton of characters in this yeah. book you know what i mean like they, it's like yeah mm-hmm. him her the best friend the demon uh the mother and whoever gets killed and the, the professor pops up at one point you could have made that a woman oh that's right yeah yeah, yeah. That's true too. small little quibble they did um yeah. announce a film adaptation so if it goes anywhere who knows but yeah. currently yeah. attached is um the guy who did atomic blonde in the first john wick to direct okay oh yeah. that seems like a good logical yeah. combination yeah. yeah all right uh so for self-contained which i mean this is the first <laughs> book in a series of four uh so you know uh it, it does have its uh its interesting points uh what is your grade mr jason uh f oh okay because <laughs> you want to continue reading yeah, I'm assuming. I mean, yes i mean it, it he just uh did his first killing he well he just did his second actually um mm-hmm. and it didn't go well and he's obviously going to continue doing these things and the relationship between him and kira hasn't been resolved at all um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I i it is not self-contained okay uh mr adam uh f as well i mean this is it's a cool story i really enjoyed it but it's in no way, shape, or form self-contained, nor was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mr. Todd. Well, let's go with the D, because <laughs> some, you know, people die, some things get wrapped up. I mean, it it could be much worse. So I'll yes. give it yeah. a D. I and I'm sort of like at a D as well. Like I want to say, like it's an interesting story on its own, but it does have a cliffhanger at the end. 
Um, so like you, you deliberately want to read it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's made to make you want to continue on with this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you know, not necessarily a fair grade for this, but whatever, uh, for writing for Mr. Brubaker, what is your grade, Mr. Todd? You know, I'll give it a B plus. So I really enjoyed it. It's going on. We sure talked a lot about the psychology of what's going on and it's, um, he did that incredibly well. So yeah, it's a B plus. Mr. Adam. I'll go with the B plus as well. Pretty much for all the things that Todd already talked about. Uh, I just, I, I love things like this where, you know, first I was thinking, oh, it's not really that deep. And then we ended up spending, spending over a half an hour discussing psychology. So <laughs> that's something that's always, that is a sign of good writing that you're able to pull out that much depth out of it um, in a way I wasn't expecting. So, yeah. Mr. Jason. Uh, I am actually also at a B plus for <laughs> all the reasons that we've talked about. <laughs> Um, I will jump on the trend and say a B plus as well, just to go along with it. Uh, for art, for Sean Phillips and Eliz- uh, Elizabeth Brettweiser, um, I will give it a grade of... Uh, I'm going to go with an A, actually. I think that's what really puts this whole thing over the top and makes it really a, a fun read. Uh, Mr. Adam, what's your grade? Uh, I'm going to go with an A minus. Again, as, for all the reasons Todd already said, the art's really, really cool. They do a really good job with the shading and the way the colors really pop out at you. There's like, you know, when explosions or gunshots happening, it's not just the gun going off. It's just like the, the background behind him. Like it's almost like a, just like a splatter paint behind him of like the, of the violence going on. So I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, when they go, cool. when they go to like that, the Ferris wheel thing, is all shut down. Everything's very, very washed out. And the only color are mm-hmm. actually uh, what's your name's red hair and like her scarf. Everything else is very, very muted. And just really plays the emotion of that scene really well. Uh, Mr. Todd. You know, I'm going to go with an A minus. Um, it's solidly done. The colors are amazing. Um, I don't really see stuff different than what Sean Phillips typically done. So it's incredibly solid, but it's not. And the coloring was superior, I think, to the art in general. So A minus. Yeah. Okay. And Mr. Jason. Uh, I'm also at an A. I mean, just just, uh, quickly flipping back through the book, you can see how much the coloring really does pop out from you for for everything, Mm -hmm. because everything else is just so uh, beautifully and... it's sort of understated, and then on every almost every page, you've got a little pop of red somewhere, and it just mm-hmm. it really stands out. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, for final overall grades, what is your grade, Mister Jason? A B plus. Um, I'm also at actually a B plus. Uh, so uh, then we'll go to Mister Adam. Uh, B plus as well. I really enjoyed it. The writing's strong. The artwork's amazing, and it's a cool story. And I want to read more. So. And Mister Todd. Yeah, you know, I can go ahead and give it a B. Um, I really enjoyed it, okay. and it's definitely a book if someone says, oh, I might be interested in a comic, but I don't want any capes or tights, and I also don't want to read anything <laughs> for a tween. This one would be a great one to do. That gives us a GPA of 3.22, which is just below a B plus, so um, we'll call it a B plus <laughs> um, average. I mean, three of us said B plus, one of us said B. Like That's, that's pretty damn close. Oh, there, there was one uh, part that actually pulled me out of the book yeah. entirely. Okay. What's Can that? anyone guess what it was? Uh, I'm. That... I'm gonna guess. Go the... ahead. I'm gonna guess the origin, <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, no. So a- after his suicide attempt, uh, and he goes to the hospital for a broken arm, he has a fifty-dollar uh... copay <laughs> in oh, yeah. the hospital. <laughs> Who has that? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, just Jason had to read with one hand during the orgy. So <laughs> that's probably true. No, I guess that's a valid point. That is, uh, that's 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 some good insurance for a college uh, student. Yeah. What's up with that? Um, okay, dokie. Yeah. 
actually what's interesting is uh, a buddy of mine has a really crazy high deductible for his insurance um and uh because he's on prep though the first they were because of the, with prep you get the copay card covers like the first six thousand dollars of the of the medication for and it's like two thousand dollars a month so by doing that mm-hmm. he was able to hit his uh his deductible within a couple months and then uh whatever insurance he had, I don't know where actually everything after the deductible was a hundred percent covered. Hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. And I think I, so he's, he, I think he actually got his top surgery that way, if I remember correctly, but yeah, it was hundred percent. I don't know what top surgery uh, it's is. It's when a uh, female to male trans guy uh, has, it's, it's a mastectomy. Okay. So, Oh, okay. I'm, I've learned things from you. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't things. know. And it was, it was with his last job. So I don't know what his insurance was, but it was like a super crazy, yeah. stupid high deductible. But then, Everything else is 100% covered, so that's kind of cool. You know what? Let's start on uh, recommendations, and I'll look up what we're doing next week <laughs> um, real fast. So uh, uh, who has some recommendations they'd like to uh, bring forth? I do. Okay, well, then why don't you start us off? All right, so as we record this, uh, Captain Marvel just came out in theaters, and uh, uh-huh. it's interesting because you already got these stupid incel fanboys who are pissed at Marvel <laughs> having a female-centric movie. People are trying to trash it on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. actually changed how people rate movies because of them. Uh-huh. Uh, you, should, oh, really? you could go on there and say you're interested in seeing and give a brief little summary of it. And they were spamming it so hard that they were they had to shut that off. As of right now, there's 58,000 reviews and it's at a 33%. Because all these people have like are making bot or fake accounts and literally saying like half stars is SJW bullshit. Uh, it's not. Is it a perfect movie? No, it's it's not. There's some problems with it. It's a little too on the nose with the nostalgia. Be like, oh yeah, we're in the '90s, haha. Uh, but it's really fun. It's, I mean, they always say Captain Marvel is the most powerful person in the MCU. Uh, they show you why. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's just say um, things go boom, and yeah. it perfectly sets up uh, Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to say how, nice. but uh, mm-hmm. stick through the whole all the credits. As always, there's you know a mid scene and a mid credits and an end credits one. The mid one's actually the important one. The end credits, like the the jokey fun one. Uh, but no, go mm-hmm. see it's really cool. The the de aging process they did on Sam Jackson, uh, it's it's perfect. I mean, there's no uncanny valley. It doesn't look like it's digital face mask. It looks like Sam Jackson from the '90s. So, Very and cool. they do show how he lost his eye, and I love that. So I'm not oh. going to say anything, but it's wonderful. Oh, and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, he's one of the scrolls. Uh, we know him. Uh, mm-hmm. From you, and I like that. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I like that Lee Pace mm-hmm. is back. Yeah, but you do see uh, Ronan the Accuser for a little bit. He's because yeah. he's a Kree, and this takes place before Guardians of the Galaxy, so he ain't dead yet. And yeah. it's it just it was really fun, and there's some really great moments. And you know, as we had before, with Wonder Woman and Black Panther, you know, representation does matter. Uh, I went and saw it with Cat, and beforehand we went to like Hot Topic, and she picked up like the she got like the Captain Marvel jacket and the shirt, and you know, it's, nice. it's really cool to see. You know, we have. You know, woman and young girls able to see themselves on screen, mm-hmm. and yes, they're not going to grow up and become superheroes because that doesn't exist. But it is cool to be able. Yeah, to but guys them. have the same thing though. We've been able to see superheroes on screen exactly. for a long time, and yeah, it's not that we all really believe. Like, I mean, just because I have a Batman tattoo doesn't mean I think I'm really going to be become <laughs> Batman. I mean, it'd be cool, that's but one I'm of the. That's one of the, there was this ass hat online was saying like, oh well, it doesn't matter because you know little girls aren't going to grow up to become superheroes. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock, but you're gay. You're already like yeah. a you know, marginalized person. So check yeah. yourself, bitch. The weird reaction I had was, um, my mom actually said that she was surprised that Captain Marvel was a woman. And I was like, Captain Marvel's been a woman for a while, actually. It's like, I mean, like, what, 20, 30 years at this point in time? Um, 
What? Yeah, because well, Carol Danvers, uh, that was originally how Rogue got all of her powers, because she latched on to Carol Dan- Danvers and did it for so long. This is back when Rogue was a bad guy. That's how she got her super uh-huh. strength and flight and everything, because she sucked too much out of it and put her into a coma. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's, I mean, but Captain Marvel has been female for quite a while. Yeah. But with these incels and the complaining about Captain Marvel or whatnot, it's like, these are, I saw someone else comments, like, these are the same people that would complain about, um, Ripley and um, the Terminator franchise being unrealistic or whatnot with those female yeah. leads as well, and no one complained about them at the time, nor should they. Yeah. Well, and so, then no, it's, someone I think it was uh, Lee had made a post about people complaining that she's like she's a Mary Sue, and it's like, dude, fucking like Luke Skywalker was a Mary Sue, Jesus Christ was a Mary Sue. It's like, get oh, off yeah. yourself. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Uh, and then one quick thing, and I'll pass it on. There is a cool cameo um, by Kelly Sue DeConnick. She oh, has nice. a brief moment. Nice. Um, well, that's I, mean, I can say where it is. It's just so. You, I mean, it's not a spoiler, but uh, there's a scene where Captain Marvel gets off of a subway train, and Kelly Sue McCormick oh, is walking yeah. towards her, and they kind of look at each other and nod for a second. So it's really, really brief, but it's kind of just a fun thing to keep an eye out for. That's, that's pretty bitching, actually. Yeah. Well, she was on. She was on set to make sure that they got the character cool. right. So. And then. Um, okay. Right, I mean, I, did I, you I know Ed Brubaker was in Winter Soldier. He played a cop. Yeah. Oh, really? So. Oh, really? And with him being this month, he's the one who wrote Winter Soldier. So yeah. So he was on set yeah. for that one yeah. too. So yeah. it's it's nice watching the MCU bring authors in on occasion type of deal that had done a lot of that material. So good on them. Yeah. Uh, well, Mr. Todd, uh, do you have a recommendation? Not this week. Okay. Uh, Mr. Jason. Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to recommend uh, another uh, female-led. Uh, this one's a TV show. It's called Russian Doll on Netflix. Oh, uh, I need it's to watch weird, that. trippy, nice morality story. Uh, it's sort of the complete opposite of this uh, story in that the main character just dies over and over again. Um, so it's kind of like Groundhog's Day, but weirder and and actually a little bit deeper without being too heavy. Okay, yeah, that sounds awesome. But I very uh, much enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't think I really have anything. So unfortunately, um, I've. I it's, until I finish school, like it's hard for me to <laughs> do anything other than school. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have a couple weeks coming up. Uh, so next week we start our month of April, uh, which we are calling our motorcycle month. This was a random conversation that Todd and I had, and we came up with the list, and everyone else is going to be yeah. subject to it. Uh, and it's actually a five-week uh, month, uh, five Monday months. So we're going to do five books. Uh, we're doing Motor Crush, which uh, sort of spawned this. That's the book I read when I decided to talk to Todd about doing this. Uh, we're doing Cosmic Ghost Rider, Baby Thanos Must Die. Uh, then we're doing a book called Joyride. Then we're doing a book called Gotham City Garage. And then we're doing the first book of Akira, uh, or at least a certain portion thereof. We're going to sort of judge because those books are big as fuck. Um, yes, they are. So, yeah, so that's going to be our month of April. Uh, and uh, that should do it. Uh, does anybody else have any final things they need to bring up before we uh, put a fork in this one? Uh, you should be playing Devil May Cry 5, but I can talk more about that next episode. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, cool. Then um, we'll call this good. Uh, thanks so much for joining us and join us next week for Motor Crush. I actually really dig that book. I'll spoil it beforehand. I think it's really cool, worthwhile. Uh, so my vote will be yes. But uh, yeah, so we'll see you next week for Motor Crush. And uh, thanks and so long. And thanks for all the fishes. Bye. Bye. And stop. Thank you for joining us. Please rate us on whatever service you listen on. And remember, at least we're not cinema queens.